What even is it? Because you know what? It's not for me. It's not dreaming about another life. It's just thinking of different scenarios and uh, being anywhere but present. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that I have been doing better with being present. Oh, that's good. Congratulations. How does that feel? (laughs) Um, It Uh, feels really good. Like, I feel it feels like somebody turned the lights on. Oh. Are you disassociating now? I am. (laughs) I am. Because I was thinking. That's fine. You can just go ahead and do that. Anyway. (laughs) What's up, everybody? Hey there. My name's Jaren. My name is Lars. Our pronouns are he, him, and we are your host of Typically Divergent Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to, to our show. show. <laughs> it's been waiting for you. Did you have a nice Labor Day weekend, everybody? I hope you enjoyed um, your time off. If you got time off, did you? You didn't work Monday, did you? Nope. Okay. I could have and got time and a half, but that's okay. I don't think it's worth it. That's all right. It's yeah. really not it's worth fine. it. No. No. Unless you're working, no. Well, mm. if you do like a like a four hour shift, I'm like. I would like to get paid for six and a half hours and only work four hours. Yeah. But to work like eight or nine hours and then to get paid for like 10, 12, 13, I'm like, eh, it's just, mm, it's, yeah. not, it's not, the math isn't mathing for me. It's, it's, it's the way that I girl math. <laughs> I was going to say the girl math conversation. The girl math conversation. That okay. is a great example. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while and I'm sure most of you that are listening know what girl math is. I'm sure maybe there are some of you that don't know what girl math is, but I have been like wanting to talk to Lars about this, especially since uh, we bought the Taylor Swift tickets because Nicholas and I girl mathed really hard (laughs) (laughs) so that we can afford these tickets. Um, So if you guys don't know, it is uh, also problematic because it is Gen Z's way of explaining away their expenses, right? And um, I would like for us to do a girl math uh, example on the episode at some point. Um, not <laughs> definitely not today because I'm not in the head for it. I'm not in the head. My <laughs> my head is not here for that. Um, but it is their way of being able to explain away their expenses because of uh, money not being real and just like all of the situations with like um, how the world is going to probably be looking for our generation and for their generation. Um, but it is problematic because it's called girl math and it amplifies the negative stereotype or stigma that women don't know how to handle their cash. Um, but what we were talking about is not really girl mathing, but that's how I would like do the opposite of girl math. That's boy math. Boy. That boy math. Yeah. How's your week? Oops. Good. I got a 92 on my last exam. Well, Great did we talk job. about that? Not on the show, but round of applause. Shout out to my tutor, Ray. He probably will never listen to this. Thanks for helping him, Ray. <laughs> but oh, maybe right. one day. I forgot who Ray was until just now. Ray is de- definitely not our demographic. Definitely not. Very sweet man. Oh, I'm sure. But not, definitely not, not our demographic, demographic for yeah. us. Yeah. Smart as hell. I'm really glad that he crossed paths with me. So, um, And then I had my last appointment with Erica. Aww. And... I just, I feel like I, I never say all that I want to say when someone leaves. Same. And with her, I all I could say was, can I text you memes sometime? <laughs> oh, that's so cute. And I was like, she's like, yeah, I want you to text me. 
I feel like I that's crossing a line, though. That's like pushing a pushing a professional relationship. You well, know? it's not like I'm spending time with her. I mean, I probably will make an effort to at least have some sort of like contact with her yeah. since she's just so far away. But but I was gonna get her a card and I was gonna write a lengthy message because that's like my my thing. I usually mm-hmm. do that, but. It wasn't really goodbye. Yeah. It was just like, I'm not going to physically see you. I'm not going to be in your presence anymore. And I think that message is for another time. Yeah. In my life. I don't think that's for now. So. Yeah. Anyway, my week was, I mean, subpar. Okay. (laughs) Those are the two biggest things that I, (laughs) it's been work and homework and yeah. So nothing really exciting. What about you? Did you recently tell me that we were going to watch Interstellar together? Yeah, we need to. Okay. Well... Did I you watch it? I did. <gasps> and I also, act five minutes into it, and I went, oh, I've seen this. Oh, okay. Beautiful movie. Yeah. Nicholas came home from work yesterday, like, ten minutes after I finished it. And I yeah. was in the kitchen cooking. And he comes upstairs, and then he comes back downstairs, and he goes, so you were watching a movie? <laughs> and I go, yeah, in bed. And he goes, oh, Interstellar. And I went, mm-hmm. And he goes, the whole thing? And I went, yeah. And he goes, so have you seen that before? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, actually, I have. Uh, Lars told me that we were going to watch it together. And then I saw, like, some guys reviewing it on um, Facebook. I don't know. Also, if anybody follows us on TikTok or, like, sends us direct messages on TikTok, I am not on social media like I used to. It's so weird. I'm, I'm like, back to, like, Facebook reels. I'm, like, I don't care about anything that's on TikTok. And I we don't have know quite a bit of following on TikTok now. I know we're almost at 500. I know. And I just, I don't know what's going on in my head, you guys, but that's okay. We can talk about that later. Um, be, <laughs> but the, the, these I guys mean, TikTok, were, not that. Right. Yeah, sorry. Right. But these guys were reviewing it and I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch that movie. And then I go upstairs and I, five minutes in, I was like, oh, I've seen this. It's incredible. It is an incredible movie. And to think that it was, it's like, what, almost 20 years old? It's emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Really? twenty, Almost 20 years I old? I feel like it came out in 2004. I'm oh going to look God. this up. But um, I, I was like watching it and I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad I'm not watching this with you because we would not be able to like sit down and actually watch it. No, I feel we, like would we, would ended, yes, we would be talking about it. Yes. We would be talking about the deeper meaning behind the scene and interstellar two Bo- oh 2014 sorry but um that was I, the year i had my mental breakdown <laughs> <laughs> i do have um a quote from the movie that i would like to at some point like maybe get this put on something Ooh. like a live laugh love kind of bullshit hell scenario. yeah Love is the one thing that we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Maybe we should trust that, even if we can't understand it yet. Mm. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I forgot she was <laughs> Dr. In that movie. Brand. Yeah, yeah, she. I love her. Also, that movie. I'm such a fanboy of that movie that I have a piece of the actual film that they used. How it came in with a special um, copy of the DVD that my dad bought me. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So you're like I real love serious. That movie. It literally puts in the physical form of what my how my mind works and like how I think about things. Oh, okay. Remember the the scene where it's when they're he's in space in the five and they're in the world. Yeah, he's in the five dimensional mm-hmm. world and there and the his five dimensional self is giving him a three dimensional understanding of their five dimensional world in a four dimensional object, which is a tesseract. Yeah. Tesseracts. I've yeah. heard of those in the 
the Cube movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was like, it's a Tesseract, I was like, oh, I know, I know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I'm a huge fan. Okay. Huge uh-huh. fan. I love Matthew McConaughey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if he's problematic lose, or not. How to lose a guy in five to 10 days. Love that movie. He's just a great actor. And he's probably have some sort of problematic past that I don't know about. Hopefully not, but uh, I don't know. Because I feel like I, I just afraid to talk about any celebrity without really knowing like their background and being like, oh, oh I really like them, and then they end up being like this. Total- Listen, unless I'm told, I don't. I am. I'm gonna be as uninformed and ignorant as anybody else in the situation. Because I was gonna talk about how we lost Steve Maxwell or Maxell. Is it Maxwell? What is it? Steve from Smash Mouth. No, sma- Smashing Pumpkins. No, Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. I could have sworn the thing on Facebook said Smashing Pumpkins. Harwell. Okay, yes. Steve Harwell. Yes. He passed away. Harwell could be seen dropping his drink, swaying back and forth on stage, flipping the bird while cursing multiple times. I'll fucking kill your whole fucking family, I swear to God. He screamed to one fan in his audience. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely (laughs) problematic, and I had no idea that he was like that because I mentioned something to my manager at work, and she was like, he was not a good person. And I was just like, great. Hey, now. Of course. You're an all-star. Get your game on. Go. Hey. Hey, now. You're a rock star. Get your game on. Get laid. I think so. Do you remember? When, okay, so you guys, I, I can't. We can't tell you too much, but at some point in the future, you'll hear it. But in Spice Girls, wannabe, yeah, it is slam your body down and wind it all around. All right. I do want you to know that. I found that out in the gym. Slam your body down and wind it all around. Slam your body down and wind it all around. So, um, besides the movie, my week's been, um, it's been fine. I, my mental health's not great. I had a really bad dream about Dozer last night and I had something to tell you. And (laughs) Your brain just shut off. Yeah. Yeah. My my brain was like going back to that dream I had last night. So, oh, um, I have had very low energy this week and I've been really struggling to, maintain my goals in the gym this week Mm -hmm. and i know that like and i know that such like a a gym bro (laughs) cry me a river gym man (laughs) because you couldn't hit your repetitions and your pre-workout goals i don't know it's just like i i could tell like right away yeah and like that's my one that's one of my few places for me to like really just like work on myself and i can't even focus while i'm there and it's driving me nuts but Mm. <laughs> whatever yeah well you can, you can be upset about it yeah That's i know okay. i know but i just I don't want to be upset about it i don't want to be upset about it because it sounds like a, a chad being all I, it's a routine i know but I, that is not routining <laughs> so give yourself some grace trying to i kept telling myself today i was like everybody has bad days everybody, everybody makes mistakes but I was like, it's been a week, Jaren. I was like, okay, well, Jeremy, you know, sometimes people have a bad week and maybe you just have a bad week and you'll be fine. Yeah. But I would like to tell you, again, I'm not telling the people how much I spent on the tickets, mm-hmm. but uh, Nicholas and I have paid off $1,900 of, off of those tickets Heck so yeah. far. That's out of panic because I, I panicked. And I was like, well, we got to take take care of this really quickly. And so... I did. We had the first 1900 paid off. And then so now it's like, hmm, okay, we are not done yet. How long is this sustainable? Because I need that cash for other things too. 
Yeah. How's your head? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Great. great. How's your I, head? I ain't never seen two pretty best friends with... <laughs> with... Uh, Fuck, what's, oh, damn it, you guys, my head is in such a weird place today. I ain't seen two pretty best friends with stable mental health. There we go. I ain't never seen two pretty best right. friends, both stable, me- no. stable mental health. Absolutely not. One of, them, one of them has got to always be spiraling. And it's, yeah. on, it's only. It's typically me. It's, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like I. And this is a, a negative core belief that we have worked on in therapy that like I still need to work on. Um, but like I feel like I'm a burden to other people. I hope I've never made you feel like that. You don't make me feel like that. I make me feel like that. Remember? It's I yes. okay core belief. Yes. Core belief, but I didn't bring this up on the show last week. Lars and I had a off the record conversation after we recorded. I was told by a loved one recently, um, you know the phrase, I walk around eggshells with you. And I said, yes. And they said, you put eggshells around yourself. And I try to remind myself of that whenever I get a certain way about how I feel about something, how I feel about myself, how I'm feeling about my emotions. When I get mean to myself, I'm like, buddy, you did this to yourself. Anyway, <laughs> can I tell you a funny, just a funny, cute, fast little story? Yes. You know how I love Jennifer? <laughs> like, I I love this woman. Like, she's she's my soul. Yeah, it was she's my just, soul and my mate. It was just the, the face that you made. You're like, but you know how sometimes I just love my wife. Sometimes she pushes buttons on, you know. Uh-huh. She, sometimes she pushes my buttons. I've seen that. So yes, last night, uh-huh. I'm sleeping right, and we're sleeping downstairs right now because our AC is not doing the work <laughs> for the upstairs basement. So I'm I'm real. I'm getting in a REM sleep, and it's like I don't know two o'clock in the morning, and Jenny is a night owl. She's up very, very early in the morning. So things will happen. And sometimes she gets spooked mm-hmm. when she's up by herself. Uh-huh. The same. If we watch a scary movie, the lights are going to be on. Oh, yeah. Like what, after I sleep, oh, she's yeah. turned lights on. Oh, yeah. I'm watching SpongeBob. Because I can just, like, <laughs> yeah, because I can fall asleep during a horror movie. Like I'm, I'm so acclimated to them. Anyway, um, <laughs> she let cabbage outside. Uh-huh. Okay. And all of a sudden, out of a dead sleep, I hear Lawrence. No, Lawrence. No, Lawrence. And I like because she wasn't saying Lars; she was saying Lawrence. And I woke up and I was like, "What?" Like she woke me up out of a dead sleep, uh-huh. and she goes, "I think that there's somebody in the by the back door because I heard knocking." And I said, "What are you talking about?" And she goes, "I really think that I heard knocking on the back door." I said, "Jenny, why would there be knocking on the back door? The both of the gates are locked." And she goes, they can jump the gates. And I said, listen. Jen, Jen is me. I said, there's nobody back there. What do you want me to do about it? And she's like, to go I don't know, but I'm just fucking terrified. And I said, okay. And I free- I froze because I'm trying to think about what to say next. And I don't want to be an asshole. And then all of a sudden I hear cabbage barking. And I said. My toes are curled. I right said, now. cabbage is outside. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot about your, your she goes, dog. She goes. Oh, that must have been him scratching at the door. What time is this? It was like 2.30 fucking Jen, Jen, that dog. I had to be up in an hour and 15 minutes for work. That, a hawk could have came and swept that dog up. And um, I Gideon, said- the destroyer oh. of laps, could have killed your dog. That's my story. And she 
push some buttons. Jesus. I was like, honey, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> go get your son. I was like, please go get Cabbage. He's barking. And then I, I talked to her about it today and I said, honey, I'm really concerned about that. You were very scared. Yeah. Well, of course. And she's like, but I, she's like, I know I'm really sorry. And I'm just like, it's okay. But I just want you to be calm. <laughs> We want to be calm. I was like, I want you to be calm. I, we don't know how and to. safe. Maybe that's why you like me so much, because I remind you so much of Jen. This reminds me of what I wanted to tell you. Okay. It started with um somebody. Oh, okay. So like, there was this thing on TikTok, and I'm pretty sure this is probably w- another reason why I quit just hanging around it. But it was like, they're not your type. They're just your pattern. And I, I was like, oh, that's funny because like, I know Nicholas is not my type. If we're talking like physical appearances, yeah. I, I am attracted to him. him there's nothing, yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with his physical appearance. I, and he, I, I love him just the same. Mm-hmm. One, he is, that man is too damn tall. Hey, that man is too he damn is an tall. Avatar. He, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nicholas and I watched the second or third <laughs> Avatar movie, and then I dreamt that Nicholas and I were. Oh, yeah. That he, that he was an Avatar. I forgot. And that yeah. I was having sex with a big blue man. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> with that some, conversation. With parent, okay, parental pause. Parents, skip five seconds. Okay. They're gone. That dick was huge. So moving on. <laughs> Log. <laughs> More like a whole trunk. <laughs> trunk log. <sighs> yes. So, um, and then recently there has been like this thought of like, do I even know this man? Because yeah. I recently have wanted to like ask some like questions about his previous relationships because like i know of some relationships but i don't know of like all of them and like he knows of like my bigger problematic ones but he doesn't know of like any like healthier relationships that i've had and so i've been wanting to be like hey you know like i want to know i want to get to know your past relationships and i want to like talk to you about mine i focused really hard taylor swift released um four different colored variants for 1989 if you are a gayler fan you know that it's a gay there there's a whole gay theory behind the reason why it's these four colors and the release dates and blah blah blah, because that's the taylor universe um that i love to be a part of and i'm not going to get into it um but she one of the four variants is a yellow this beautiful pale pastel and it's called the sunrise boulevard um variant and sunrise boulevard is also where um the stonewall inn is located in new york interesting and so this like feeds into the gayler fandom right yeah i found out about it and i was like oh my god so cute um I didn't pre-order it because it's a limited moment, like a limited 48-hour order, and I didn't order it. And so now that I'm like adding to this collection, I was like, hey, babe, like, you know, do you care what variant we get? And he was like, well, you know, mother, she's going to have four. And so like, do you want to know what the fourth one is before you order it? And I was like, no, but I I think I want to get this yellow one because one, we don't have a yellow colored um, vinyl and i just think they look so pretty mm-hmm. um and yellow is your favorite color and i want to get you the yellow one in 1989 is your favorite album because of your younger days like literally 
he was listening to it when he would get ready to go out with his girlfriends the months leading up to like he and I first meeting. Okay. And so I was like, you know, it's his favorite, it's his favorite album, it's his favorite color. I want to get in the yellow one. So I overspent on eBay buying somebody's pre-order. So I I won't even get it until they receive it and then send it to me. So like, whatever, it's fine, but it'll be here. Mm-hmm. And um, I were, I'm on Facebook and I go, oh, Taylor just released her fourth variant. And he was like, oh yeah, the rose gold colored one. I was like, yeah, God, this looks so pretty. And I was like, well, if I didn't already get you the yellow one, cause it's your favorite color, then um, I think we would get this one. And he goes, yellow's not a favorite color. It's blue. And I had a, a oh, whole no. moment yeah. where I... I could have like fallen right there in the bathroom when he said that to me. And I went, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, blue is my favorite color. Why do you think I wear a lot of it? And then I walked into the bedroom and he comes after me after he gets finished brushing his teeth and he sits down and he goes, are you okay? And I said, do I not know you? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't even, I got your favorite color wrong. And he goes, well, that's okay. I said, no, it's not. I said, I'm supposed, we're supposed to be getting engaged. We live together. We're supposed to be getting married. And I don't even know your fucking favorite color. Why does knowing his favorite color, like, why is that a, like, a huge deal? Well, I feel like if I don't know your favorite color, well, not if I don't know your favorite color, but, like, I couldn't even get, like, a surface level fact about you correct. So then I started second guessing everything else. But you know how his head ticks. Yeah. Like, you know, more of, like, the core, like human part of him right i know i know him on the inside yeah the reason why asking that is because i think that you probably know him better than he knows himself okay and so like knowing not knowing like getting his very color Mm-hmm. that's small potatoes bob it's like i've been with birthday? jenny for 15 years and i just found out like what i like that god there's a food that she didn't like okay that makes me feel good. you know what i mean and i'm like Okay. Okay. Because like, I, I, because I, I, I focus really hard when like I'm like, okay, I know he doesn't like these foods. I, and I'm like, all right, Jaron, like, what are those foods? You got to know this man. Um, like, you know his needs and his wants and his ambitions and his fantasies, and those are things that are that really make a person a person. Okay. Does that make sense? It it does. And That's it, how I feel. It, it does, and it's also like pretty biased that I'm going to be like, I'm going to believe what you tell me because I love you and I trust the things that you say to me. <laughs> but I, it was almost like another one of those like, oh my god, am I in the right timeline moments? Yeah. Especially, it doesn't help that I had watched Interstellar. No, 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 no. You have to be in the right headspace for that movie. Well, I I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, just, I just am traumatized. That motherfucker. That motherfucker right there. I'm going to tell you right now. That, that motherfucker, motherfucker right there is not, not real. real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. Let's, you know, that was a good conversation. Okay. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't, a, I don't I, like, I'm, I'm I, not excited about the pain that you felt or the anxiety that you felt, but well, like, no, it's good conversations just about relationships. I, well, okay. So remember earlier when I was like, I feel like I'm always coming to you with some problems because I'm like, help me. I'm, I'm broken. Anyway. <laughs> so today's topic of discussion, you guys. <laughs> nothing to do with what we've been talking about. Absolutely nothing to do with any of that. It's a good one. It is going to be a good one. Um, it also may be heavy. 
Uh, so trigger warning, we are going to be talking about um, Substance Abuse Awareness and Recovery Month, which is the month of September. As a recovering addict, I thought that it was important to at least not like share my story, but share some factual information on um, addiction. And I'm going to do my best to keep, make sure that this isn't like so naggy or like you need to feel a certain way, but like maybe kind of like open some eyes for some people. And although if your eyes are already open to like, listen to us talk about the things that we have talked about in the past, then you're probably maybe this is maybe, yeah, maybe this is an episode (laughs) that you're like, Hey, um, you should listen to this episode. Listen to this podcast. Yes. Send, send, may, maybe if you know somebody in your life that needs to hear this, uh, you know, maybe send it to them. And um, the person who does not need to be hearing this is like somebody who is um, struggling with their addiction, and which is considered, which is called active addiction, um, where you are using and you have not had um, a moment of sobriety or cleanliness. There is enough shame and embarrassment more so shame and guilt that comes comes and goes with um addiction so like i am gonna go ahead and just say that like um i may say something that may not correspond with your feelings about addiction um and that's okay can i preface real quick yes on my thoughts like around this episode yeah i am very intrigued and really wanting to learn more about addiction because i was not brought up around people who were addicts okay I was brought up around alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Like that was something that was always in my life. And which, I know that that still is an addiction. Is an addiction. And it's it's something that, one of the reasons why I don't drink a lot of alcohol, because I, I know that it is something that can be passed down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the heavier stuff, mm-hmm. I am very ignorant. Okay. And so like, I want to apologize in advance if I ask something that's like not necessarily acceptable. Okay. Or it's really just me wanting to know more and asking the harder questions to understand better. Okay. So. Um, and if I am not able to answer that question, okay. And if somebody, I will be able to tell you. I'm. Not, I will tell you. I will be honest and say I'm not able to answer that question. But if somebody mm-hmm. is listening, they're like, I could answer that for you. Please write it in. Yes. Just to like get some balls rolling. In 1956, the American Medical Association declared. Um, alcoholism as an illness in 1987 the ama other and other medical organizations officially termed addiction as a disease in 1997 um and i wanted to start with that because a lot of people uh think that addiction is just like Oh, you like, like is something that like you choose to do. And this is that like back and forth that I mentioned earlier, where like, I may say something that may not like agree with other people, because my journey is different than other addicts or people who struggle with um, addictions. And we are not talking like just solely drugs, right? Alcohol. I also want people to know that addiction can look like um, food, Self-harm. Self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that has to do with like building your body or obsessing about your body. So like your self-image. Um, so body dysmorphia is mm-hmm. played into that. Did I say your phone? 
know. Okay, yes, so technology, um, technology, television, screen time in general, um, social media, the act of scrolling, um, the need, the feel to get like likes, shares, attention. So attention is an addiction. Um, and then mm. we're also looking at like, um, so like food, so like the desire that goes beyond the need of eating. So like using food as um, a substance to like help cope with the situation or even the opposite of like that would be um, anorexia or like food control disorders or disordered eating. Um, uh, love can be an addiction, um, sex, um, porn, mm-hmm. really anything that a person resorts to when needing to cope with a situation, a feeling, or a scenario, or even really just the brain's way of saying, I, this is where, this is the only place that I can get my pleasure. Yes. And where you, where people will immediately go directly to that, or not necessarily immediately, but people go to that. And so because of that, I personally, and uh, please, like, I do not want, I mean, like, we don't have very many uh, followers, so it's not like I could get canceled. But like, I am still on the fence of like accepting um, addiction as a disease. We are going mm-hmm. to get into why it is considered a disease, and then um, I will be able to explain why I am still on the fence. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, but I do want to say that picking up a drug or a substance more times than not is voluntary. There are things like gateway drugs, but there are more, I'm going to say there are more like gateway scenarios. So like uh, being sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. is a gateway situation where it brings a certain amount of pain onto somebody's um, soul and their mental health or even their physical health. And you are looking for ways to cope, to deal, to again, like what I've talked about before, becoming homeostasis, which is like um, taking, bringing your nervous system down to something that helps calm um, your feelings so that you are not panicking or experiencing um, flashbacks or feeling that pain. And then the need to continue to do that is where addiction becoming a disease comes into play because of the way that addiction will change your brain chemistry and the way that your body will react and say, this is what I need to do in order to cope with the situation. So you will continue to resort back to that. Well, when it becomes something that you are dependent on, then it's becoming a problem. So I do want to go ahead and make sure that people understand that. And okay, another example really quick. Um, the opioid epidemic, um, Purdue Pharmacology knew that the, um, what was that, Oxycontin, mm-hmm. um, knew that Oxycontin was going to be um, addictive, but yet, you know, they can go around and say all these fancy words and blah, 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 blah. We've, if you want to see the documentary, there's so many of them out there on the internet. Um, but um, there are people who can have the addictive gene because it is carried through your bloodline and say you hurt yourself at work, you're prescribed painkillers, now you're addicted to the painkillers, okay? Mm-hmm. Or there are people such as myself, I have had always had addictive, addictive behaviors. Um, my first addiction was food. Um, and then like food was um, the there I have a weird relationship with food now and like my self image and like my body because of um, my mother's issues with her disordered eating. And then I started smoking cigarettes. And then I started to smoke pot. 
and then I started to experiment with other things. So is any drug a gateway? No, it's the pain and the situation that becomes the gateway. I am going to go ahead and say that like I used food as a way to comfort and then um, with certain things that happened when I was younger. And then like I started restricting myself with food or I started overeating. Uh, oh, that's right. Binge eating disorder. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not a new one. But um, the the thing that I switched uh, to use to help cope, just it became something different. It was a different substance every time. And um, I fortunately, I do not and never really cared for the taste of alcohol. Um, So like alcoholism is not something I'm really worried about becoming a problem because I don't like drinking. Mm -hmm. First, like what is a disease? And a disease is any condition that impairs the normal functioning of your body. Most diseases develop a specific abnormality in the body and that causes distinguishable signs and symptoms. Um, The symptoms can include pain, swelling, fever, and loss of function. Even though most diseases are caused by external factors such as bacteria, viruses, and toxins, diseases can also be caused by internal factors like genetic predispositions. Um, And one thing that all diseases have in common is that they are not normal for the body to experience. Um, And this is from behoperehab.com. Um, So then what is addiction? And addiction is a disease that affects the brain and body. It involves compulsive behavior with the use of one or more substances, regardless of health and social consequences. Um, Addiction is caused by a combination of behavioral, environmental, and biological factors. In the formation of addiction, there is never really one influence. Um, Addiction addiction impairs the body's normal functioning, and addiction takes over the mind, making it difficult for individuals to control impulses for certain substances or behaviors that can be harmful. Uh, this change is functional. This change in functionality can have devastating effects on an individual's mental, physical, and social well-being, and these uh, effects manifest themselves as signs and symptoms. The reason why I picked up smoking was because I wanted people to think I was cool, because mm-hmm. I was undiagnosed as neurodivergent, mm-hmm. like most of us are these days. Right. And then. I started smoking pot because it was something that like the cool kids and people that I would like start dating were doing. And I was like, I like want you to like me. I just want to, I want to see what this is about. The fear of using drugs was always present in our education. I, you, it's this, it's, it's the same as like telling teaching kids about abstinence and not about sex education. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this you tell a child that like they're going to want to do it. So, and I'm not here to be like, Oh, my parents should have done this instead. No, just like maybe telling people not to do something is not necessarily the one and only way Mm -hmm. um, to prevent them from doing it. It creates more curiosity. Right. You know, it's the unknown. Right. When I would have teenagers in my chair at the salon and their parents run around, I would be like, look, I'm not going to encourage you to do anything, but if you are interested in trying something, at least please ask me or tell me because I can tell you what you're going to experience and I can tell you what, what it should look like. That That's how you know an addict. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to tell you what the drug should look like, what it's going to make you feel like. And if you're feeling any of these other things, I can tell you what it is not. Mm-hmm. Um this is what you should be paying for it. Um, and again, I wouldn't t- encourage anybody to do anything, but like, and also like, I'm not telling kids where to get drugs. Okay. 
But if if an adult was like, hey, like, can I get some of this? Do you know where I can get this? I would be able to tell them. If those posters in the wall at in middle school, instead of them being like, oh, it does this to your brain, this to your kidneys, if they had just been like, this is the experience that you get, I, then maybe I wouldn't have been so damn interested. Right. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any questions so far? No, I just have like, I just think about myself and how I grew up in a really unstable home. And like, I'm really surprised that I didn't get, like, I wasn't introduced to some of those things because I wasn't. I never had the need to feel, to want to, like, I wanted to fit in. But maybe it's just because I wasn't around people who had access to those things. Okay. When I think about why people would want to use Mm -hmm. how like like you like you wanted to fit in you had you know some really negative like thoughts that were being put into your head Mm -hmm. and you wanted to be accepted and you were struggling with like your body image and things like that and i just to me like i feel like i had along the same things happening Mm -hmm. and i'm just surprised that like i wasn't searching for more Mm -hmm. in some way okay that's all okay that's cool that's just a thought that's okay that's okay um, or maybe I was just really fucking scared <laughs> of it. <laughs> well, and see, that's another thing is because I used to like, I loved watching intervention and I'd be like, I want to watch, I want to watch the meth addicts. I want to watch the people that are doing heroin. I didn't care about the alcoholics. I was like, oh, okay. Like you, you can't drive big deal. You, I've, I've seen an alcoholic. I know what people look like when they're drunk, but I want to see people when they're fucked up. Yeah. And still that did not scare me. Very still, it did not scare me Yeah, because there was, when I started getting into harder stuff, there was still a part of me that was like, nah, you hate yourself. Like you like the way you feel when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Life is oh, so exciting. Yeah. Sex. Oh God. Sex on some of those drugs was peachy. Dang. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Squeakity squeak. Squeakity squeak. All right. So here are some reasons why addiction is a disease. Um, Addiction changes the brain functioning and the structure. The neurotransmitters that is associated with the development of substance abuse is dopamine, and drugs and alcohol release an incredible levels of dopamine in the brain, which create a reinforcement pattern. In attempt to adapt to the surges in dopamine, the brain will produce less of this, less of these neurotransmitters, as well as reduce the number of receptors. Perhaps the biggest reasons why addiction is a disease is the fact that chronic substance abuse changes the functioning of the brain structure, and drugs have an immediate impact on both neurotransmitters systems at the cellular level with chronic use drugs and alcohol after functions alter the functions of the neurons with these behaviors the neurons a person's behavior changes over time and um so i'm sure we've all seen those pictures where they're like oh it takes scoops of ice cream scoops out of your brain well that's those are the those are the 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 transmitters that send the happy feelings Mm -hmm those are eventually they're dying off because you've worked them over you've Mm -hmm. you've put them through overload work and so a lot of addicts um when we're coming out of addiction or we're coming out of active addiction and getting into a clean sober living um it is really hard for us to like get those hits of dopamine here's an example of something that you can do um nicholas and i love puzzles Mm-hmm. you that puzzle piece fits and it you it's like oh boom yeah. it's like i just took a bump of, bump of coke yeah so painting anything that is like instant gratification really helps um i really enjoy like ripping things apart some people will like go shopping oh that's another addiction mm-hmm. shopping 
Um, addiction has genetic factors. Another important component of the addiction is disease uh, as disease paradigm is the role of genetics and family history. Although everyone has the potential to develop an addiction during their life, um, there are some people who are more predispos- predisposed to develop an addiction. According to the information provided by the National Council of Alcoholism and Drug Dependency, about half of the risk of developing an addiction is due to genetic factors, meaning that if there is a family history of addiction, that a person is likely to develop a similar problem. This thought process suggests that brain chemistry, brain structure, and genetic abnormalities can cause human behavior are related to predispositions of addictions amongst relatives. Um, In addition to these studies, researchers also study large families and further understand that addiction is a disease model. Genetic researchers compare the DNA sequence of those family members who are affected by an addiction, drugs, and alcohol with those who are not addicts. Predispositions to addiction can can vary from one person to another because each person has a unique physiology and genetic makeup. Every person will have a different, quote, enjoyment during each addiction. This, quote, enjoyment is what makes some (laughs) activities more addictive. The ability to temper these enjoyments with rational thoughts and brain functioning, that also varies from person to person. So let's take my um, dependency on cannabis and compare that to, like, somebody else, okay? So I smoked pot every day all day for like a really long time from like 18 19 up until like several months ago um because it's a plant it's not that big of a deal it's not killing me like nobody's od'd from this and i would give myself all i would justify my amount of usage as much as i possibly could really what it came down to is the fact that i was like really just trying to check out because i was having a hard time coping with life, mm-hmm. um, as most people do. Now, my relationship with cannabis is I don't, when I'm working or if I have something to do that day, like going to the gym, um, I'm not smoking until I get home. Now, if it's a day off, that's going to look a little different. But mm-hmm. if I am working, I am not getting high before I'm going to work, I'm not smoking on my way to work, and I'm not getting high while I'm at work, and then I'm not getting high while I'm getting home. At some point, you just aren't getting high anymore. You're just hitting the pen. You're just smoking the bowl because it's part of the ritual because you've been doing it all day. You might as well continue to do it even though you're not getting anything out of it. Now, I am not addicted to smoking cannabis. However, uh, I'm using that specifically because that is the only substance that I do use now. Um For me, that is pretty fucking great compared to the shit that I have put in my body in the past. Um, Let's say Lars wanted to smoke a bowl, like, and Lars does not partake in cannabis use. Um, But for Lars, that could be like, oh, like, I'm going to have this bowl. And then like, I probably won't smoke again for like eight more months because Mm -hmm. Lars does not feel the need to like have that in his life. He's going to feel the same high that I feel from it, but the amount of dopamine that I'm getting from it is going to feed my system more than it's feeding his because it's part of a behavior. It's a, it's a pattern. It's something that I have continued to enjoy. It's something I look forward to at the end of the day. So let's say you enjoyed having a one cocktail at the end of your day. And Mm -hmm. I drink like once a year, it takes me all night to drink a drink. And for somebody who has a beverage when they get home from work on a regular basis, they're going to have two, three, four of those. Yeah. 
and I'm going to take the alcohol is going to taste the same to me as it would for them. I'm not going to enjoy it. I mean, if we're looking at tolerance levels, I mean, that's a whole other situation, but right. um, I would still feel like a level of drunk intoxication, mm-hmm. but the person who is dependent on the alcohol is really enjoying it. Um, addiction. Addiction has environmental factors. Um, they are the community domain, the family domain, the peer, and the school domain. Within the community domain, an individual's community, there are several factors that can play a significant part in their likelihood of abuse, drugs, and alcohol. For example, if a person's community has a favorable attitude towards drug use, firearms, and crime, the risk of developing addiction substance increases. The use of methamphetamine is really big in the gay community. Um, they call it partying with the capital T or chemsex and party and play, um, which is where like you're doing drugs and having sex. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really prevalent in our community because we all love to feel good about ourselves and everybody that smokes meth feels good about themselves. It increases your horniness. Um, so when you are in the gay community and if you're like, say, on Grindr, um, you have and if you are, again, a community where something has become normalized. If you don't want to partake in those things, you have to make sure that you say like no drugs. Whereas like maybe like a straight straight world, they're like, oh my god, why the fuck would you want to be doing those things? Well, because these things are prevalent in our community, and, and yeah, you know, all it takes is for one person to be like, ah, you know, I don't mind if you do, but you can go ahead and use while we're together. Um, and I would not recommend ever having sex with somebody who is on a completely different level of intoxication and or. Um, level of high that you are on a uh, mindset and you know like let's say you know you go to meet with a, a, a big dick daddy six nine and he's got a pipe and you're like mm, all right let's see what this is all about right okay and that's how like my usage of like hard illicit substances that's how that in- introduction came about it was like well let's just see what's like what's the hype Let's just give it a try. And then sometimes you like it and mm-hmm. sometimes you really like it. <laughs> and hopefully if you like it, you like it enough that you don't want, you don't feel the need to do it again. And the family don't name within one's personal connections, family dysfunctions and problems at home are significant with the increased risk of developing an addiction. Influences such as parenting styles and a level of supervision can play an important role in the development of later substance abuse. I thought authoritarian and avoidant parenting exposure to abuse and divorce are all associated with increased likelihood of substance addictions it is also important to note that the parents who have favorable attitude towards drug use or use drugs themselves often have children who use drugs okay um and i think that's pretty like self-explanatory yeah i don't think we really need to like get into that and like open up any wounds um, the pure domain. When looking at these factors, the disease model of addiction, the single biggest contribution, con- contributing risk factor of substance use is friends who use drugs and or alcohol. So this was how this was my problem. The idea of quote you are who you are friends with plays a, a pivotal role in who someone becomes. Like one's family environment, friends who have favorable attitude towards drug use or use drugs can increase the risk of addiction. Someone's in someone's friends in adolescence have a greater impact 
on them than they think. At impressionable age, it is important for a person to align themselves with people that they have like-minded aspirations and morals. If their friends are interested in experimenting with substances, that that person will be more inclined to follow their judgments. Social media also affects this thought process. If an adolescent sees a substance abuse on various avenues of social media being portrayed as cool and adventurous, then their risk of substance abuse can be increased. Interesting. I don't think that there's enough. It's not that I don't think that there's enough censorship. I think that there's probably sometimes probably too much, but um, I don't think that children need to be on social media there. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think that children need to have access to the internet unless it's for educational purposes. I think that's great that kids are so connected and that they have a, that their life ahead of them is going to be far different than yours and mine, Mm -hmm. even though we are just 20, 10 years older than they are. But the things that they are exposed to is so much greater than what you and I are mm-hmm. um, because of the amount of access that they have to it. Telling kids, again, telling kids not to do something is not going to prevent them from doing the it. The DARE program. Mm-hmm. Uh, A drug and alcohol resistance education. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't help. Okay. No. It just, it, the, the fear of drug use does not uh, help. Talking about it does. Let's say a kid likes rap music or any kind of music where a specific artist is, and I said rap because like, unfortunately, like it is more common for rap artists to talk like, about drug use. to talk about drug use. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, fuck, who is it? Lil Wayne, where he lights a blunt every time he goes to start rapping. Yeah. And so it's like, and, yeah. and again, these are artists, they can do whatever the fuck they want. That's why I'm saying I don't think that censor, I don't think that there's an issue with censorship. But like, let's say a kid likes that music, and he is going to see that in the music video, he's going to hear that mm-hmm. on the song, you know, kids are not fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, in the school domain, the increased risk of drug, drug abuse can also be tied to the individual's relationship to the educational environment. A student's performance, participation, and commitment to their learning in school and in general can be a major risk and factor in developing a substance abuse problem. So addiction also has behavioral factors. Um, many of the people who dabbled with drugs will also will do so at an early age. They may also be using drugs in an attempt to manage other symptoms for existing mental illness. Initially, the the decision to use substance generally reflects a person's choice of free will. However, once that choice has been made, um, the opportunity of free will is lost. After the addiction sets in, behavioral aspects factor in and a person's brain transforms. One of the most defining symptoms of addictions is loss of control. One time somebody that was really close to me that I love very much had a relapse and I went into therapy to discuss the situation with um, Erica and she had to remind me that no matter what, um, there's nothing wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with the person who um, chose to have this moment of relapse. And again, it's there is some free will there because you can say like you you can simply say like I'm not going to do it. You can do everything that you can to walk away from it. But again, like it, it is so ingrained in your brain that you need these things that it is very hard to lose that fight. And when this person had a relapse, Erica had to remind me that no matter what I do or no matter what anybody does, their first number one priority of a relationship is always going to be with the substance that they are addicted to. And I'm saying that because the way that they're talking here about the way that your um, brain is forever, your mind is forever changed, changed. because yeah. of that. On a less scary situation, smoking cigarettes. I don't think about the fact that I don't smoke 
or the fact that I quit or that I used to smoke until either somebody brings it up, I bring it up, or there is a moment in time where I go, I'm really bored. What should I do now? I I could go smoke a cigarette. Oh, I don't smoke anymore. That thought of I could go smoke a cigarette is ingrained in my mind because I became a because I was addicted to nicotine. And of course, all the other things that come with smoking a cigarette, like being by myself and sitting outside scrolling on my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, So patterns and rituals. Bear with me, Mm because this is in the same vein um, about the person who you were speaking about with the relapse. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, my dad, Mm -hmm. he is a recovering alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And we always call, we always continue to call alcoholics, alcoholics, Mm -hmm. even though that they are in like, remission or recovery not remission recovery so why do we not say that about people who smoke cigarettes and who did maybe more like addicts being addicts 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 being addicts like why do we still call alcoholics my dad is an alcoholic it's almost like society says that to like remind the person yeah you fucked up and we're never gonna let you forget it you are constantly always fighting that addiction that desire that drive to use which is why like addiction can also is considered to be a chronic disease because it is frequent and habitual because you are there it's you are prone to relapsing no matter what it's almost like when people quit tobacco it's like it's almost like oh but anybody can do that yeah it's so socially acceptable to quit tobacco because so many people have done it that those people no longer have to call themselves smokers. And also because they're not actively smoking. You know what I mean? Because alcoholics are not actively drinking. Yeah, I know. But like addicts are not, if if an addict is clean and sober, they're still called an addict because that addictive behavior has been unlocked and they will always want those things. But you're right. Like a smoker is always going to want a cigarette, but we don't call them smokers. Yeah. We say former smoker. Yeah. But there's still that word of former meaning like you are no longer this thing. Okay. So I have some points to remember. Drug addiction is a chronic disease characterized by drug seeking and is used by compulsion compulsive or difficult to control despite full harmful consequences. Um, I also want to make sure that like we are also including all addictions. So I do apologize for solely only saying the words drugs. Brain changes that occur over time with drug use challenge and at, at, at brain <laughs> brain changes that occur over time with drug use challenge an addicted person's self-control and interfere with their ability to resist intense urges to take drugs this is why addiction is also a relapsing disease relapse is the return to the substance after an attempt to stop relapse indicates that they need more or different treatment most drugs affect the brain's reward circuit by flooding it with chemical messenger dopamine. Surges of dopamine in the reward circuit cause the reinforcement of the pleasurable but unhealthy activities, leading people to repeat the pattern over and over. Over time, the brain adjusts to the excessive dopamine, which reduces the high that the person feels compared to the high that they f- felt when they first felt taking the drug. It, this is especially common in heroin, um, mm-hmm. where they will tell you there is nothing like your first high. After that, you're always chasing it. It doesn't matter how much you took, how you took it, why you took it, but they are always chasing that first high. 
Um, they might take more of the drug at trying to achieve the same dopamine high. So regular smoking a bowl just at some point wasn't cutting it. And so then, you know, that's why now we have things like edibles and dabs and Mm -hmm. oil for people to smoke. It's just a higher concentration of it. Mm -hmm. Um, no single factor can predict whether a person will become addicted to drugs. A combination of genetic, environmental, and developmental factors influence risk of addiction. The more risk factors a person has, the greater the chance of taking the drugs can lead to addiction. Drug addiction is treatable and can be successfully managed. Um, And more good news is that drug and alcohol use and addictions are preventable. Teachers, parents, and healthcare providers have crucial roles in educating young people and preventing drug use and addiction. I thought about being like, you know, and if you, and being like a respectful addict and being like, if you know somebody, if you are somebody that you know is struggling with addiction and you think they need help, please call this number. Here's another one of my hot take feelings. I don't think that... An intervention is necessary for everybody. I don't think that an intervention is the one and only way to get somebody to get help. An addict is going to get help when one of a few things happen. When you can't afford it anymore, but you will always find out you will always find a way to afford it. Um, because even when I was at my most brokest, I still had money for a pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I luckily was not in a position with any of my addictions where like I was in a financial pickle and I was doing things to get cash to buy the drugs. You get in trouble with the law and then you are forced to get clean and sober. But even in, and that is by court order, but even in prison and jail, you can still get what you need. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, and um, there was always the risk factor of like, well, I got in trouble with the law. I got to stay clean. I can't stay clean. So I'm just going to go to jail or at least, well, at least what I want is always going to be there. Yeah. Death. So like you dying, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. or a traumatic event in their life will happen and then will cause them to get their act together. Um, which was my situation. Uh, because my recreational use of cocaine that turned into like once, sometimes twice weekly turned into like, well, let's just do meth because I know that it'll last longer. It's cheaper. I know it's scarier, but I've done it before. It's not that big of a deal. And then I went on a three day bender and I was awake for 60 some hours. And then I ended up in drug induced psychosis. And then I stopped using all of that together. Can you tell me like what a bender is now? I'm assuming it's when you just are just consistently, constantly doing the drug. Yeah. Non-stop. Well, mm, I don't want to say the word nonstop because I mean, there were still moments where I was like taking a break from using it because something inside of me was still smart enough to be like, mm, like this is still dangerous shit. Like maybe take a break. It could mean um, that person is either physically present in their day-to-day life or they are gone. And they're not present in their their day-to-day life. Um, and you are using um, a, a substance or alcohol with the intention of like getting, trying to get as fucked up as possible. Okay. With little to no concern for your well-being, your state of mind, or yourself in general. So, Anna, what do they call that? Nihilistic? Where you're just like... Like, fuck the world. Yeah, fuck the world. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I don't care. Yep. Okay. Oh, uh, and the reason why I don't think that interventions are great for everybody is because these people already feel bad about the things that they're doing. 
there's always a chance that they are feeling guilty when they're getting high, when they're getting the drugs. I mean, because of my nervous system being the way that it is, when I smoke weed, if I'm not in a right headspace, I will induce a panic. I have a panic disorder. I have a lot of factors against me here. And yet, like, as an addict, I still continue to use something knowing that, like, there's, oh, there's a 50-50 chance that it's not going to go well. I still play that game because, again, like, it's not killing me. The the worst case scenario, like, I get so far into my head with spirals that, like, I've pulled myself out of them before. And literally, it's always the same fucking panic attacks. It's always the same negative thoughts thoughts and i just tell myself like well buddy like you fucking did this to yourself again like Mm -hmm. you threw those eggshells down so like what did you expect and so then like i feel bad for like doing those things to myself and then if someone were to come to me and be like the way that you're the way that you're doing this is affecting me in these negative ways i don't give a fuck how it's affecting you because i am trying to cope with being alive right now and you want to tell me about my decisions how and how negatively they're affecting you right now you're giving me another reason to go continue to use drugs because now i feel bad for the way that i'm making you feel and all of a sudden now this is my responsibility right um and again like that's that's talking about feelings i mean like you know there are people who are enablers and will like give the their loved ones money so that they have drugs um or mm-hmm. alcohol and um you know if someone would be like hey this is affecting me negatively because like i can't afford to like do this then like that's different but if someone's like it hurts my feelings watching you do this to yourself you know right. like shit my mother would tell me like when i would pierce my body and like get tattoos i just don't like what you're doing to your perfect body well excuse me perfect you didn't think it was fucking perfect when i was a child right and now you're telling me that you think my body's perfect mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna continue doing this yeah because oh. you don't like it yeah and that's again like that's a whole other like apples and orange comparison situation so why do you feel like it's not a disease addiction i'm on the fence okay so what are some points that you want to talk through about that in my head a disease can be physically manifested can physically manifest itself into something an illness tumors cancer abnormalities things that like can be cut out of you you cannot cut addiction out of your body i would when you were reading the definition of disease Mm -hmm. i was understanding kind of like why you would be on the fence because it's the only biological part about addiction is that it could that they that the gene right is being passed down to generation to generation right but other than that there's no environmental physical like nothing tangible right like Like, it's all like because it was talking about like bacteria and like yes so like i totally like can understand like how that can be a little confusing because Mm -hmm. That's totally different. Right. We're talking like psychologically. Right. More than actual physical like bacteria and whatnot. Right. You know, so. like, like a foreign, a foreign, um, yeah, like a foreign body of some sort of right. gets into your body and right. Yeah. But like Which the drugs foreign, would be foreign, right? I guess, and but. that is, that is the foreign body. And like, yes, there are changes being happening into your brain, but. Um, and because it is a, a constant, like it, it never goes away. I mean, that's when I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a disease. It never goes away. But then I'm like, but other diseases are like, eventually like you hit a point where you're like, this is no longer a part of my life. Right. This is no longer an illness that I struggle with. That's why I think like addiction, it can, it's a problem in itself. 
It's yeah. a, it's a, I don't even want to say it's a disease in itself, but it is. It's a disease within itself because it goes back and forth between both both of those pillars. It will always be around, but yet, like, if I just hadn't done that one thing, this wouldn't be a problem. Well, like, some people get diseases because they touched a certain surface and then touched their mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like they were able to be treated and it, and then they were cured of it. And I will never be cured, be cured of, this. of this. Yeah. The only thing to do is just to continue to live life and like one day at a time and mm-hmm. the things that they tell you in Alcohol Anonymous and like I'm not in A to A and I'm not in NA either because those are religious based. Um, and because I have enough of religious trauma. Also, one of the steps is like um, admitting, and I'm not here to shut on anybody who's in AA, but one of the things in AA that they want you to do is like to make amends with people that you've hurt, at least what I'm told in therapy, not we as in like both Lars and mm-hmm. I, but like from our therapist is that like people admit when they've done something wrong or they apologize for something, nine out of 10 times are doing it because it's to make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And I can understand making amends to right your wrongs, but from what I have experienced with people in AA is that they really need you to forgive them before they can move on. That's damaging. That is damaging. Yeah. And sometimes you have to live with the decision that you made. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that really sucks. Yeah. People don't have to forgive you. No. <laughs> no. No. Forgive yeah. sounds good. Forget, don't think I could. Yeah, like people are never going to forget things that hurt them. Right. And negatively affected their life. Yeah. The one question that I had on here that you didn't quite cover is like why you decided to stop using not not cigarettes, but like the other hard stuff. A traumatic event. Oh, right. I had to. Right. It scared me. Okay. It finally scared me enough where I was like, that's it. I'm not doing anything. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to quit doing everything. Like I quit smoking weed. I was in, I was at Parfait Behavioral Health under a 72 hour watch because I did tell the cops that showed up at my house that I was a harm to myself mm-hmm. um, because there was no present there. Like I'm literally in active psychosis and the officers go, we can, we can take you away, but we can't take you away unless you volunteer to do that. So do you think that you are a threat to yourself? And I said, yes, if you leave me in this house, mm-hmm. then the gates of hell are going to open up and I will burn in hell. And they're like, all right, that's yeah. it. Yes. Because you said, yes, I am, I am, I am, in, I am in danger. So, and then when I was in PBH, I was like, I'm not going to smoke weed anymore, blah, 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 blah. The guy I trauma bonded with when he was going to come pick me up, I was like, can you, can you pack me a bowl? And he was like, yeah, I'll have it in the car for you. And so it was like, boom, went right back to smoking mm-hmm. pot again. Like how I feel about pot now, like it's a 50, 50, either I'm going to have a good time or I don't. And if I'm not having a good time, I know how to get myself out of it. And there are other people like me that have panic disorders that like, if they smoke pot, they just, they just don't smoke pot. And that's another thing. Like for those people who know that like, oh, I get anxiety when I smoke weed, I'm not going to do it. Just like we were talking about, like, if I do something, how's it compared to how, like, you would do it? I am still an addict. I'm still going to do it. Yeah. As far as I've, like, as long as I've known you, I have never, I don't think that we really talked a lot about some of the stuff, like, some of the past things that you've done. Mm -hmm. So did you just kind of, like, bounce around to different types of drugs, like, or were? Yeah. So it was just kind of, like, just filling. Very experimental. Okay. So food, cigarettes. Sex was always somewhere in there. Porn right. was always somewhere in there. 
relationships, love. And then K2, Spice, okay. was my first, like, problem. Okay. Like, uh, spending credit card money on Spice. Going to work and saying, all I gotta do is make $20 in tips so that I can buy Spice. Like, fuck mm-hmm. food, fuck everything. Um, and then got clean off of that um, after like eight, nine months to a year or plus. And then still smoked weed, had a relapse on Spice once or twice after that. And then started dating somebody who was in a party scene, not P-A-R capital T-Y, um, but like was going to the bars and stuff. Um, so then like cocaine was involved. And so like I dabbled in some of that. Um, didn't do it nearly as like as as much as I did when I got older. Mm-hmm. Um, because some, when I got older, somebody else was providing it for me. Mm-hmm. And then also tried acid. And then at some point I tried mushrooms. Um, and then Coke was kind of like always in and out of my life. She was like the the cool aunt. Like I wouldn't see her for a long time and then she'd come around and it's like, oh my God, like look at all the presents you've given me. Yeah. And then um tried meth. And because I literally was like, I just want to understand what is all about this. Um, didn't enjoy it that much, but also I wasn't doing it like I was when I got in trouble. Nicholas and I used to drop four heads of acid on 4th of July every year. That was like a tradition. 4th of mm-hmm. July now for me is like struggling. I struggle with it because I'm like, it would be so cool to like do some LSD, but I am so afraid to do um, psychedelics because my, yeah, because my trauma was bad enough that all I have to, it, because it, the thought and the memories of it linger that if I'm on hallucinogenics or LSD, all I have to do is think about that night or those feelings and boom, I'm having a bad trip. And you can go into like some pretty scary moments on LSD um, because you have to be in a good headspace. And I haven't yeah. been in a good headspace for that in a long time. Um, and then I met somebody who was feeding me cocaine. And then because Nicholas and I broke up and I didn't care about my life and I wanted to die. And so I was doing a lot of drugs with some people that were really sketchy and knowing that again, like what was the word that you used about the bender? Um, a tropic. Annihilistic. Annihilistic. So I had mm-hmm. a very annihilistic um, pattern. I was just like, all right, well, like let's plan for doing these drugs on these days because I don't have to go to work and I can Mm -hmm. stay up all night or I can be doing these things with these people and planning things out. And then my three day bender happened and then got in trouble. I did have two relapses on cocaine since then. One was at a Halloween party a year after Um, I went in, I told the guy that I was with, there's going to be Coke at this party. It's been a year since I've done anything. I'm doing this. I placed an order for drugs and we're going to do this. I didn't really give him an option. Um, did the Coke, felt guilty. We had a fight about it and I get it because he told me if you touch drugs again, like I will leave you. And he told me like, I, I almost left left you. Well, buddy, you should have. <laughs> if it meant that much to you, you should have. Um, but again, like, you know, I get it. The f- relationship is the most important with the drugs with an addict and like the person who had their relapse, like I didn't give up on them. So, but whatever. Mm-hmm. That person and I broke up. And then like the very next week, I reached out to that person who was feeding me drugs originally and was like, hey, like, let's get together. Mm-hmm. And then, like, did some coke, and then um, that was the last time I did any of that. And I don't know the date. I don't. 
I don't keep a memory book. Right. I'm like, oh, this is my date of clean. September 9th of 2018 is the day that I always go back to, regardless of the two times that I have had two relapses, which I should go back to like my last relapse and say that that was my clean date. Really, I shouldn't even say that I'm clean because I still do still do smoke cannabis. But when it comes to like my heavy addictions with heavy illicit substances, like I always go back to like I haven't touched meth since that date. And like that is that's the big date for me. Yeah. Because everything after that, again, like I don't remember the dates and they i should go back to those but i'm like nah there were two yeah. relapses and it's almost like it's the same thing as like when people are like well you're not really clean off of heroin unless if you're not if you're taking suboxone sometimes people need those things to continue with life yeah um and a four day uh withdrawal from heroin is four days and like i've even said like oh four days that's not bad i've never had to withdraw from heroin so i don't know what those four days are like Right. And so I know a lot of people who are addicted to heroin will not get clean because they are afraid of what those four days look like. Mm. And so it's easier for them to continue to medicate themselves with heroin than it is for them to get clean. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that's really like we've covered most of all of these. Okay. So cool. Well, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for sharing yeah. your, your everything, really. Oh, you're welcome. It's very brave. And I respect that. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate that. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. I am proud of me too. Most days. Most and days is better than no days. Most, You're right. And there is something, if I'm going to brag about anything, I do want to go ahead and just have a small humble brag. Yes. Nicholas and I have been without cigarettes the day that we are recording this episode, 38 days. <gasps> what? That is the longest I have been without tobacco. And you're still together. In my entire <laughs> life. We're still together. <laughs> yep. We're still together. <laughs> um. We take great pride in saying that we did it cold turkey. Mm -hmm. And when people ask, oh, did you do gum? Did you do this? What did you replace it with? We have not replaced that habit with anything. Hell yeah. As addicts, you will replace your rituals, your habits with something else. Um, like alcoholics will replace their addiction with um, alcohol, with uh, coffee or cigarettes. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, just just go smoke because that's going to be better for you than drinking. <laughs> Um, and I wish that was my case. <laughs> I, I wish I could, I wish I never started smoking cigarettes cause it'd be great to start smoking now. Um, <laughs> cause that would be the good time. That would be a good time to do it. Yeah. Uh, because of the way that I'm currently feeling the last couple of days, yeah. but whatever, you know, it's fine. Uh, yeah, that is something that we are really proud of. And the re we've had opportunities to smoke cigarettes, but both of us have been like, I don't want to start over. No. On like, oh, you know, I had a slip up. So now now today is day one of not smoking again. And I just, we don't want to do that. So, and I'm not here to be like, if I can do it, you can too. Because there are a lot of people in worse situations than I am in. And there are a lot of people that are in better situations than I am in. Um, but I will say that like quitting nicotine is... Um, it is as difficult as um, getting clean from heroin um, because of environmental factors and social acceptance mm -hmm. of it and and how easy it is to get your hands on it. You know, Jaron, in the future, buddy, I, I, I'm really proud of you and I hope that you're still proud of me today and I hope that you look back at this and you just laugh and think, wow, you were such a cute young man at 31 years old. It's that Miley Cyrus song, man used to be young so anyway um thanks for listening everyone yeah thanks for listening hopefully you um have learned a few things and hopefully this is something you can take to um someone who you love mm -hmm. or someone who you feel like would like the information yeah 
Um, and if yeah. anybody out there wants to share their story on addiction, on how it has affected them or how maybe somebody else's, actually, I don't want to hear about how somebody else's addiction has affected you. I want to hear about your strides in how you've done better for yourself because of an addiction that you have been able to overcome. That's yeah. what I want to hear about. Any addiction. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us this week, you guys. Mm-hmm. We love you so much. We love you so much. And uh, you'll see us next Monday, and this is us signing out. Bye. Bye.